Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Transplant's Take on Sport. My name's Lewis Daniels and my guest today is Joe Windridge. Joe does a fantastic job managing the England and Wales transplant cricket team and has supported her partner Robin through kidney failure and living with a transplant. She gives an insight into the transplant process and life afterwards from the point of view of a partner, including the emotional effect of watching a loved one suddenly take ill, managing worry and the importance of talking to others who have been through similar experiences. She also describes how they taught their daughter about transplants, so please stick around if you've got young children. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure you subscribe or follow wherever you normally get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. As always, if you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, all the links will be in the show notes. Joe Windridge, welcome to Transplants Take on Sport. Thank you, Lewis. It's a pleasure to be here. For listeners, this is going to be a bit of a bit of a different one. It's the you're actually the first non-transplanted guest, but still an important one nonetheless. Uh, Joe is the the manager of the England and Wales Transplant Cricket Club, and your partner Robin had a kidney transplant. Yes, he did indeed. Yeah, I thank you for having me for not being a transplant recipient, but hopefully uh, my kind of story will resonate with others and help um, kind of other family and friends that have been through um, transplants with their kind of partners and better halves and friends as well so yeah I just thought it would be nice to come on and talk about my experience and talk about the cricket club obviously. I think people will find it very useful uh, people who've read might have read my story online I remember when we first met at the Nets yeah you said Robin's story and my story are pretty much the same yeah they're very similar the progress through uh, so we'll go we'll go right back to the start yep when did yourself and Robin find out that he had kidney problems well we were actually just on holiday um in devon he'd been having uh migraines for about five or six months before been to the gp quite severe migraines but we had no experience of migraines so we just accepted what the gp said they were just migraines um we we actually went to devon on a family holiday he had had a migraine the day before but we thought nothing of it um got there and he was feeling a bit funny my mum took him on a very long walk on the beach um uh, to get some fresh air because that always helps headaches um, and then we went out for dinner afterwards um, when we were out having dinner he actually managed to knock a drink all over the table because he couldn't see properly and then when we were driving back he said all the lights were jumping around and I thought oh, this is getting a bit dramatic now what's he what's he talking about you know it's just a headache um, so he said oh, I'm gonna go straight to bed so he went straight to bed um, and then we were all still kind of socializing in the lounge area and he came down and said I can't breathe I said, oh, I think we better call 111, called 111, GP rang us back. He said, oh, probably best to go to hospital, but I think you've probably got asthma, which I thought was a bit odd at the time. So off we go, two o'clock in the morning to A&E in Devon, just a tiny little hospital. So there's no one else in A&E. So we're seen straight away by this lovely nurse who I'll never forget because um, we go into the triage bit 
and uh, just do the normal checks, gets put on the blood pressure machine and all alarms start going off. And the nurse says, oh, don't worry, that's been playing up all day. Just come straight in here. So we go straight through and we just think, oh, this is, you know, we don't think anything of it. Next minute, there's a lot of people around. And I'm like, that's that's a lot of people for one person that's got a headache. Um, And yeah, from there, it just kind of all snowballed really quickly. I don't really remember a lot of it. It's all a bit of a blur. Next thing, there's a man in normal clothes there. It must have been like an hour or so later. Um, and I find out he's the head of intensive care and he's come to see if Robin needs to be put in a induced coma because his organs are shutting down, uh, which was quite a big step from a migraine. Um, but yeah, it turns out uh, he had heart failure. He had fluid on the lungs and his blood pressure was, I can't remember what it was, no, 210 over 144 or something. Um, yeah, and he was basically, they said he was at risk of having a stroke any second um, and he needed to be obviously kept in and they needed to work out what was kind of going on so luckily he uh, didn't have to be put in an induced coma they took him straight up to like the critical care ward and putting him on some medication to try and bring his blood pressure down quite dramatically Um, then they obviously did more and more tests and they brought a specialist up from Exeter Hospital who came in and told us that he had end-stage kidney failure and it was causing him to his heart to fail and fluid had collected on his lungs because his left side of his heart wasn't working at all. So, yeah, it was a bit scary and very sudden, um, especially when I can't, I always get this wrong. I think he was 25 when you got taken poorly. So, yeah, it was all very sudden. It must have been a big shock. And the blood pressure, everyone, most people have been on have mentioned the blood pressure. That, that might, If there was a blood pressure, a bit like Top Gear, the power lap leaderboard. Yeah. That might be near the top. I keep thinking every time someone comes on, I should ask the blood pressure. That's got to be up there. Yeah, it's. Um, <laughs> so for you being on holiday together, mm-hmm. had you been together long at that point? Yeah, we've been together since we were 17. So we'd been together a long time and we were living together for a long time before that as well. So yeah, it was just, it was a big uh, change to our life though, because you kind of got your life kind of planned out of what, and obviously 25 is not that old, but we're just starting to think about, Robin was actually trying to get, in the police before that um but luckily it wasn't quite successful at um, that time because obviously that would have probably put a little bit of a stop to his plans so yeah it, it kind of changed everything um at the age of 25 it was quite a shock it's not what we'd planned <laughs> so then going straight into organ failure pretty much from nowhere mm-hmm. how did that feel from your point of view well it was very much, I, it's all a bit of a blur. Um, like I said, we were on a holiday with my mum and dad. So it was actually quite lucky because my mum and dad were there. Um, but it was a bit surreal because I went from spending all my time sat at his bedside um, to then my mum and dad would be like, come on, let's go walk on the beach. And next minute I'm walking on the beach as if I'm on holiday again. And I was like, this is very, it's a, it was a very surreal time. Um, and his mum had come down at that point as well. But I just, I was in shock, to be honest. I just didn't feel real. And I kind of was a bit naive thinking that it, you know, it would get better and he'd be fine. Like I didn't realise the kind of the implications at the time because it was such a, a kind of a shock. And uh, yeah, we were in hospital for a week. He was in hospital for a week in Devon before they transferred him up to Coventry, which is our local kind of kidney specialist hospital. And then he spent another week in Coventry. I guess it only really felt real when we got to Coventry because we were closer to home and it kind of hit me. And then obviously I was going home. So then I was at home on my own and I was like, okay, this is real now. Like something's really happened. So it's kind of changed. Um, So yeah, it was a bit of a shock, but, and I think it really only hit Robin when he got to Coventry too, because he probably was getting that bit better he wasn't but obviously from where he was he wasn't really with it for the time that he was in Devon Hospital Um, and then they started having the more kind of serious conversations when he was in Coventry saying you'll need a kidney transplant and I've always been on the organ donor register Um, I remembered signing up for it when I was younger but I don't really think I understood you know I didn't ever think that it would be part of my life I just thought it was really important to be on it um so yeah it was and so I started like doing obviously a bit of research about transplants and stuff and it was all just a bit scary if I'm honest at that at that time I think with everyone going through it or most people going through it it was the same for me you don't really quite know what's happening I found out I had kidney disease a bit earlier than when they failed I was about 38 percent I think it was uh but Robin sounds a lot quicker and those the chats about organ donation you, you hear about it before and you maybe sign up, but never think that 
you might you might need to donate you might someone you know might need to receive yeah. one and then it all becomes very real so for the leading up to the transplant were you in line to be tested was it a big was there a chat of who was going who was going to do it it was at the time I wanted to um but I've had some kind of health issues in the past with like glandular fever and things and they kind of said epstein Barr virus is not kind of this was obviously a little while ago now so things have obviously changed um but Robin's mum was keen right from the start she was like I want to be tested um and obviously she was always going to hopefully be a better match than I'd be anyway so she went forward for the test and we were really lucky because every test came back you know positive um obviously it was still a long haul and there's a lot of like uncertainty and worry during that time and she lived in Dorset at the time so she was having to come up um quite often to have tests and things and obviously Robin's still quite unwell at the time he managed to avoid dialysis but in that time, we're still going to appointments to see about having a fiscular fitted. We're still going to dialysis training to learn all about the different types of dialysis. Um, we're still kind of doing all of that process at the time as well. And his heart obviously had heart failure. So they're still watching his heart because to be able to have the transplant, they needed the heart to kind of recover, which luckily it did. Um, but there was a lot. It was a lot of appointments for um, all different things. But luckily, everything kind of came in line and we were really lucky because Robin's mum wanted to donate right from the start. So that all went to plan, luckily. So you worked up to the the transplant process, the donation. How long after the original diagnosis of kidney failure did the transplant actually go ahead? He was the middle of February when we were on holiday and he had his transplant um, kind of middle of September. So how many months is that? Not many, seven months, seven months, yeah. That's one of the quickest I've heard for for live yeah. donation anyway, from yeah. failure to, or from even finding out you had a problem yeah. to being transplanted. It was it was very quick, and I think adrenaline got everybody through it because there was no like I say there was a lot of appointments like everybody has, but I think because it was in such a short time and we were doing all the dialysis training, dialysis talks, all of that kind of stuff at the same time because they just didn't know they wanted to avoid him being on dialysis, and but it was very touch and go if that would happen, and they did in the end actually bring his transplant forward. Um, so yeah, it was all very very uh, kind of squashed in time to try and get it done before to avoid the dialysis really and get it done as soon as possible do you think with robin's mum donating and you being very much involved do you think that brought you all closer together as a family oh, yeah definitely at that time like it was incredible because it was yeah we were going through a lot together and we were all kind of in it together which really helped um because we like i say i do feel like we were all kind of still on the adrenaline from the shock of the of the diagnosis so but yeah we were really close that time she would come up and stay with us while she was having the tests and we'd have like nice weekends and I'd make dinner and things and that would be like our time together and she spent a lot of time um the three of us and then obviously afterwards I looked after both of them so yeah we were all really close during that time and I just at the time I wasn't a mum I am now um but I couldn't Obviously, I wanted Robin to be better, so I would have donated if I could. Um, but the way that she was just like, I'm doing it, and she never questioned it at any point. And at the time, I used to, I was thinking, why does it matter to her so much? Like, obviously, it matters because she's that's her child. But I, until I became a mum, I didn't really understand why she just never questioned it. She just said, yeah, I'm doing it. And that's it. She just wanted to do it right from the start. Um, but now, being a mum myself, I can completely understand why she just didn't even question it and she wanted to do it um straight away but I just can't believe like it's such a selfless act to do to put especially at the time when she was living far away um she kind of had her own job and obviously her own life and then it's you put it's putting a lot um to one side to come up for all these tests all the time and then obviously have the time off um after donating the kidney so yeah she's incredible so uh, we'll come back we'll come on to after the transplant yeah. you said you were caring for for mm -hmm. both of them and the time off work so did Robin's mum come and stay with you afterwards yes yeah, so they both um obviously um had both of them in the house um it was just me and both of them so obviously Robin went in a bit earlier because they didn't know if he was going to need dialysis before the transplant so he went in a couple of days earlier so then it was just me and Robin's mum for a little while um and then took her in and then that was a really surreal feeling when I kind of left them both there and so obviously they were both in together but I think the weirdest part was afterwards um while they were having the transplant I obviously got told to call at a certain time so I called to check how they were 
and Robin was actually really well. He um, following the tra- straight from the transplant operation, but Robin's mum was a little bit um, sick. And so, but that really took me by surprise because I'd never really thought about the fact that now Robin's mum, she was fine um, before, obviously she had no health issues, but now she was obviously having quite a big operation. And then I hadn't really considered that actually the impact on her. Um, So she was a little bit sick afterwards. um, But luckily when I got there, they were both much better, but it was such a surreal feeling to visit both at the same time like I because obviously it's not a normal thing if you're going to hospital because someone's poorly you're normally going to visit one person I'm sure there's not many circumstances when you go to visit two so I took my mum with me um, and they were in rooms that were two rooms apart which they like to do so that you can kind of encourage them a few days later to get up and actually go and see each other they've got to make a bit more effort than if they're just next door to each other um, which I don't think they appreciated at the time. But <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a bit surreal. My mum and I were kind of sharing out and I was like, right, you go to Robin, I'll go to Robin's mum and then we would swap over. Um, but yeah, it was it was crazy. Obviously, Robin went from being very poorly to being on cloud nine because he'd had his transplant. And Robin's mum went from being perfectly fine to obviously being in pain. So it was a bit of a surreal experience for me to to see the kind of opposites but luckily they were they were both fine but obviously it is a big operation so there's going to be some recovery involved as you say massive operation when they were actually in theater what was going through your mind at that point because i know my dad was there with me my mum donated and and he was in my side room just fell asleep on a chair the whole time what was it like from your point of view? I wasn't even at the hospital. They told me not to go and see them the morning of the hospital because it would probably be too upsetting. I was probably a bit of an emotional wreck. That's why they wanted to get me out the way. <laughs> so I was actually at my mum and dad's house, um, but they were both at work. And I remember just kind of sitting in the house being like, this is such a surreal feeling because I know that they're both in surgery or crossing over at least in surgery. And it was just, yeah, it was such a surreal uh, experience. And we live quite away from the hospital. So I remember my mum getting home from work and being like, right, we'll go now. We'll start making our way. And being in the car and just thinking, oh, please let them both be okay. It was just it was just such a surreal experience. I don't think I'd really thought about that day very much until it happened. And then when it happened, I was like, oh, it's really happening. Like, this is it. And I think the, it had all been the build-up because Robin had been so poorly so quickly thinking oh yeah he's going to get better I was just thinking about him being better but I hadn't really thought about the whole process to get him better for both him and his mum um so yeah that day was a strange day to say the least <laughs> so then when you got back home again the three of you and you said you were caring for them yeah did you have to take time off work as well to do that yeah I did have quite a lot of time off work because it's obviously quite a lot of appointments afterwards as well isn't there when you come um, out as well so yeah Robin's mum came home first um, so I had her at home for a couple of days and then Robin came home a couple of days later so it was nice I think it was better when they were both when they both have each other Um, I had about another week or so off work to look after them and then I went back to work and I remember when I'd come home from a day at work they'd be like oh we walked to the end of the road today together and they were like made up because they'd made it to the end of the road and back um but yeah so I had both of them at home it was a bit of a weird experience but I think that it was really nice when the three of us were together especially everything we'd kind of been through and how poorly Robin had been it was still it was a very positive time even though they were probably in pain and like getting to the end of the road was a struggle um it was just a nice time to really appreciate what she'd done for Robin and for me as well, because obviously it gave our, us our life back together. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, it was incredible um, what she did, and I'll be forever grateful for everything she put herself through for Robin to have the life he has and for us to now have our family. I think it's, it's difficult to put into words the, the gratitude towards it, and we were talking about it in the yeah. first podcast we recorded with, uh, with Stephen Harrison, and it, it was from someone who unfortunately died but mm. for myself and Robin whose mother has donated yeah. to, to them it's it is strange to think of and I, I sometimes think I think I was initially very worried and very anxious after the transplant about things going wrong because I thought my mum's put herself through this I've got to make this work yeah she said no pressure it's yours now you do what you do with it but from my point of view it was sort of I want to I want to make this successful, make the most of it. And I don't want it to 
I don't want to go back into that illness again. Oh, yes, definitely. And think, oh, I'll let my mum down. Oh, yeah, no. There's... Although, even though you're not. No, you're not. It's not you're completely out of your control if, if it kind of works or if it doesn't work and how long it will work for. But I definitely, um, I struggle with that quite a lot afterwards. And obviously it wasn't even me that had the um, transplant. Um, but I think I I would buy a lot of gifts. I would like to like thank you gifts. I would write thank you cards. I, I just didn't ever feel like anything I could ever do was ever going to be enough to say thank you. And I still struggle a bit with that now, if I'm honest. Um, we kind of have a party every year. So Robin's had his kidney for nine years now. And every year we would normally um, have like a cake. We'd make a cake. Since we've had Ava, Ava makes the cake because she likes to get involved. And we'll have like a balloon, like a number nine balloon. Um, and we make like have like a little party. And it's normally we take Robin's mum for like a day out or we'll take her for dinner to just to say thank you and celebrate everything she did. Um, but nothing we do will ever be enough to say thank you. And I do, to be honest, I do struggle with that even from it being a, someone I know and it from being a live donor and it not even being me that had the transplant but it is hard to just ever feel like you've been grateful enough um, but I think over the time I just learned that she's just happy to see Robin healthy and enjoying his life it doesn't matter what you achieve or what you do as long as you're happy and healthy and doing what you want to um, kind of do that's all that they that she wants to see she just wants to see him living his life and but yeah it's it's a struggle to feel like you've been grateful enough because it is such an incredible selfless gift to give anybody with the the gratitude was this, was there ever a sort of protective feel from you to robin like especially in the early days when you're caring for him for example like when he when he eventually went back to work again was there a bit of anxiety or worry from you on it for him Oh yeah, completely. I'm a worrier. Like I'm such a worrier and I probably have always been a bit of a worrier anyway, but since this whole experience, like I've have, I'm like a real worrier and I have like real anxiety around anything to do with Robin's health. If he says he's got a headache instantly, I'm right back at the, oh, you know, he's got heart failure. He's about to have a stroke. That's by my, how my mind works now. Cause you've kind of been through that. So when he was kind of going back to work, I was like, are you sure you're ready? And he, him being him, he was like, I want to go back. I'm done. Like I've had enough of just sitting around he even worked from when he got diagnosed to his transplant he was working you know as much as he could he would go in for two hours a day even if he if he could physically do anything he would do it um so he was always pushing himself to just get back to normal robbins wants to be normal he doesn't tell not that it's not normal to have a transplant but he doesn't want to tell people if he meets someone he wouldn't tell them he'd had a transplant it's not something that he likes to kind of publicize he just wants to be himself and just live his life which is completely understandable and everybody's different um but I'm obviously a lot more vocal about talking about it so he doesn't normally have to tell anyone because I've normally already told them um but yeah I was definitely protective when he went back to work it was a big shock going from sort of normality but obviously he was very ill at the time we just didn't know it to severe sudden illness to then having a transplant and I just needed felt like I needed to just wrap him up in bubble wrap and keep him alive. <laughs> From there, how how did you manage to move on and sort of continue with the rest of your life? So there was one big change, which will tie in very well to your podcast now, Lewis. Um, and we went to a cricket net. So when uh, uh, it was Great Britain transplant cricket at the time. So when Robin was in Coventry, when he was first diagnosed being poorly, um, every time I would go to see him, he obviously wasn't in a great place at that time because you're a 25 year old man that's just been told that you've kind of you know you need your tra- a transplant it's quite a, a lot to get your head around I went in one day and he was very upbeat and I thought well, this is strange but great but what's changed um and he'd been um, on the internet and he'd found an article on the Great Britain Transplant Cricket Club and he was like, I can play cricket. I can play cricket. And he was so made up that he'd be able to still play cricket. Because obviously at that time, we just didn't know what it meant to have a transplant, what you could do, what you couldn't do. Um, so, um, which turns out you can still do anything you want. Um, yeah. But he was just made up that he was going to be able to play cricket. So he had sent an email that day to the person um, that was running it at the time. So that was when he was diagnosed um, at the start. So after he had the transplant, he emailed again and was desperate to go. And they had a net session, which was about five months later at Edgebaston, which wasn't actually very far away from where we lived at the time. 
Um, so he, um, we went along to the net session. I was very apprehensive because I was like, you've only just had a transplant. It's only five months ago. What are you doing playing cricket? So he's all happy, got his bat packed. He's ready to go. You know, he wants to, uh, get in, uh, on the, uh, in the nets and play cricket. And there's me walking up to watch him at the gallery area thinking, what is he doing? Please, you know, please be okay. And I walked up there. I was a bit broken, to be honest. Everything that we'd been through, I just was a nervous wreck. So I walked up there and I met people that are still friends to this day and will be friends forever because I sat down and I talked to somebody and she told me her story and then she listened to mine and I instantly felt like I was part of something. I instantly felt like suddenly somebody understood me because I obviously my mum all my dad my family they were all great and everybody listened everyone was supportive all my friends but instantly someone knew about everything I was talking about they understood it they'd been through it even if elements of the story were slightly different you could still identify with what they'd been through and what you'd been through and it was a huge turning point for me because I had I'll be honest I had to go for counselling after Robin's transplant because I think the adrenaline of just got me through everything because it was such a short time in those seven months from being diagnosed to having a transplant. Um, and I always feel a bit selfish for talking like this because I obviously didn't have a transplant. I haven't had to have a major operation and face all of that kind of thing. But I think sometimes it's hard because I've had to watch that happen to Robin. And obviously, as much as it happened to Robin, we're together and it's affected both of our whole lives like it changed everything um at that time from what we thought our life would be to what it is um so I think I yeah I had to have some counseling but if I'm honest it didn't really help because again I was just talking to somebody that didn't really understand like they would sit and listen which was great but they didn't really understand so going to that cricket net changed everything because I met people that I could just say a simple thing too and they just got it straight away and it just made me instantly feel better about everything and it instantly instantly made me realize that we would have a life and it would be fine because I just don't really think I'd you, should, you can go to all the appointments and you get all the information it is scary like it's really scary um and I don't think I'd really I could only really focus on all the things that might happen rather than just enjoying each day and going actually he's fine because he was very lucky you know he had the transplant it worked straight away he everybody has a few blips along the way but there were no major issues but all I could really focus on was what was going to go what was happening next what was going to happen next something's got to happen next because all of this has already gone wrong so what's going to happen next so I think it gave me real hope and real understanding of what it is like post-transplant and that there will be people there to listen to me and help and support me and Robin for all of the kind of blips along the way because there will be blips but you know we get through them and I think that's what going to that net session literally changed everything for me and for Robin because I think it's really hard when you're a man um, especially um, not to be sexist but he doesn't talk about his feelings like I said before he doesn't like to really he's not open and honest and telling everyone he's had a transplant and I think he found it really hard to talk about what he'd been through um obviously we could talk to each other um but we'd obviously been through the same experience but it's not kind of the same as having someone else to talk to so he came off well away from those cricket nets a different person because he'd spoken to young men that had been through similar things to him and completely got everything he had been through um and he could play cricket and talk about it without realizing he was even talking about it it's not like you've got to sit down and say oh tell us your story he's just playing cricket and they're just talking about their experience um while they're doing it so it changed that changed everything for robin and i i got the same feeling straight away obviously you can talk to talk to family and talk to friends i saw before my transplant and after i was seeing um a renal psychologist for the similar to your your thoughts of the counseling and i think that helped because they had the they haven't had the transplant themselves but they had that renal background and the renal knowledge behind them i don't know what if yours was the same or not no i just had just a counselor uh but the cricket going to cricket the first one i came to i was i think i was only about three or four months post transplant didn't take part just fed the bowling machine yeah I'd, I'd done my coaching course earlier that year and that was sort of if I can't play cricket anymore 
similar to Robin's thoughts. If I can't, maybe you can, or yours well, maybe you can't do it again. So I did the coaching course to keep that going. And then obviously found out about the team through someone I play with at my club who played against the transfer cricket team. Then even the first session, feeding the bowling machine and being very aware, very cautious of my own transplant. I was putting the ball in thinking, right, don't do it short. Don't hit anyone in the abdomen. But then you, you see when I came to the second one in, I think it was February last year. And it was like, oh, I can, I can just do this as normal. Yeah. I'd only done a couple of training sessions before that, but it seeing everyone doing playing cricket and talking about the experiences again. My mum said when we went for a meal afterwards, I don't think you were at the second one I went to. No, I didn't go to that one. Eva was poorly, I think. But my mum was saying how refreshing it was for her to see me talking to people around my age. You've been through the same thing, into the same sport, and it's all sharing experiences while we're eating. It's so special. I'm Hopefully one day I'll get to meet your mum because um, so, I'd love to chat to her too. Um, but yeah, I just it's just an incredible feeling just to go to that net session, to a game, to a social meal afterwards. We You just sit and chat and it just is just also natural. And every time someone new comes into the team, like I still remember meeting you for the first time, but it's just that instant connection. Like you're just part of the family. And you have someone to talk to. Um, obviously, given the situation we're currently in, it's very helpful to be able to have people that understand. And for any kind of things that happen along the way, you always have someone that's been through something that you're going through that will sit and listen and talk to you about, um, you know, their experience and what happened. Um, but yeah, I just felt that from that very first session, I was instantly part of something. And I really not that into cricket. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'm allowed to say that, um, but I like sport, but I've got more into cricket because <laughs> I've had to. But before um, Robin had his transplant, like he went to cricket, I would rarely go and watch him because it was a waste of a day for me, waste of a whole Saturday. Um, but now every uh, transplant net, every transplant game, like I'm there, I want to be there for the cricket and just for the whole kind of experience. Um but yeah, maybe not the biggest cricket fan. <laughs> I was going to ask, were, were you into cricket before meeting Robin and before getting involved with the no. transplant team? <laughs> I do like some sports. Uh, I'm really into like horse racing and um, horse riding and things. So I do um, enjoy sport myself, but not cricket. But now, now I do. Now I enjoy cricket, but mainly transplant cricket, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> with With the length of games of cricket and I've said this to other people who've been on the podcast uh which going back to the talk in the podcast has helped me speaking to other people who have maybe a lot of them I have met before some of them I haven't met before and you can get share that experience with the cricket games being quite long and you're spending a lot of time with your team a lot of time with families friends donors do you think the length of the games brings you together even more as a bigger Oh, unit, yeah. family unit and Definitely. again cricketers I would say by nature from playing for years now talk about anything and just yeah. any random nonsense while you're watching the game I find that cricket games go so quickly these days because I'm having such a good time like I love going to a game of cricket now transplant cricket that is um because it's just like going for a day out with my friends. Like obviously all of the guys and girls um, that play have a great time and they're kind of um, having their banter on and off the pitch. And it's nice because obviously when they are batting, you kind of get to speak to everybody when they're kind of going in and out. Um, and then throughout the game, I've got all of kind of the wives, the girlfriends, the friends, the family, their children. Um, that's made a big difference since we've had Ava because we've kind of got the family social element as well. But yeah, well, I'm just really going for a nice chat and a picnic. <laughs> <laughs> so you spoke about instead of other the other partners, wives, girlfriends. Have you finally been able to open up more since getting to know them a bit oh, better yeah, and speaking definitely. more? Definitely. Um, so one of the girls that um, they're not actually part of the club at the moment, but one of the girls, um, the one I first met, like I still am friends with to this day. And that was like nine years ago. Um, but yeah, the, the all of us kind of partners, um, we're really quite close. It's a strange one because we don't really see each other that much. But if we see each other, it's like we saw each other yesterday. It's just that kind of friendship. It's like an instant 
friendship and uh yeah we're always as the boys are always on their banter whatsapp all the girls are always chatting on there we've got our own like whatsapp group and we we talk about everything you know not just um transplant stuff but if anybody's kind of a partner is having a bit of a tough time we're there to support um the partners and yeah we're just instant instant friends um and it's lovely because i feel like they're just friends for life we say this every time we meet someone new it's strange because like some of the girls i've known for years and years um and some of them i've only known for like a year or so but they're all like so close we're all so close and we're all such good friends it's just instant i can meet someone once and they're already part of the family like they're already part of the friendship group so is a huge support I know how much it means to the guys that um and that play cricket the kind of the team camaraderie and the kind of support they have all all year round as well from the group um but yeah the girls is also um a big support and we chat a lot (laughs) so you you said you got into cricket since being involved with the team you got into it so much that you're now managing the team how did that come about I shouldn't really say I don't really like cricket should I because I'm a cricket team manager but I do like cricket transplant cricket um yeah so that came about because obviously as I've said the the team became a huge part of our lives um the person that was running it when it was Great Britain Transplant Cricket Club um, had to step away for personal reasons um it does take a lot to run the club um and I don't think I really appreciated that before when he was doing it and I was kind of helping towards the end I would host games we'd hosted a few games um and things so he kind of needed to step away and I said well I'm not prepared to I don't want this to um not be around anymore I want to make sure that it can still help other people and still be there for us to enjoy so I said um that I would take it on so I took it on in the year that the Australian team were coming over so it was all a bit last minute and uh, kind of got a bit thrown in the deep end. Um, but yeah, so I was kind of started being in charge from the Australian, I think it was 2018, 17, somewhere around there. Um, uh, so yeah, my first kind of game in charge, if you like, was the first game against the Australians, which was incredible because I didn't really have any, I'd been to obviously games with Robin in the past, Um but I didn't and I'd heard about this kind of rivalry with the Australian team but I'd had no experience with it um and then we're in a beautiful cricket club in London with the whole team from Australia and that was incredible like really incredible um we had a couple of new players um Scott and Lee joined um kind of on that on that game and yeah it's just from there it kind of just became part and I did I think I kind of self-appointed myself but nobody's really challenged me so I'm still in charge at the moment I think it's, it's clear to see how much everyone appreciates what you do for the team and I listened to the first podcast that I did with Steve earlier uh, and picked up a quote from him that sums it up well he said if we didn't have Joe we'd talk about having a game but wouldn't actually organize it yeah yeah, that's what they always all say. I think I'm definitely, yeah, I'm good at the admin side. Everybody wants to play cricket and I kind of just make, we all make it happen. But I am having a lot more support from the other kind of girls and partners. They've all been great, especially um, Ashley um, and Ashley and Adam, obviously. They um, organised, we had a big social ball, um, which they organised, which was great. But yeah, I think it's probably the men just want to be told where to go and at what time. And then they just want to play cricket. So if I can kind of facilitate that, that's fine. Because like I say, I need my picnic and my chat with my girls. So, <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's very important for me um, to kind of promote. Uh, I obviously, from the sidelines, um, can promote to the other teams that we're playing. Um, I can kind of promote why we're there and what we're doing. So obviously the aims of the club is to kind of promote the transformative effect of having a transplant and obviously what you can achieve after a transplant you know you can still be fit healthy active playing sport that's really important to all of our players Um, and it's really important for people to see you know we can still play cricket to the level that we want to play cricket at Um, saying that we have obviously got all abilities in our team um, but everybody just wants to play cricket to their best ability they're there to play the sport so I kind of facilitate from the sidelines making sure that we're kind of promoting what the club's doing because we play against we play against our own um, sides like the players own teams um, which is 
good because it helps obviously it's nice when you play against your own team because you kind of get that banter but then they also get to see the other side of you because they obviously most teams know that you play for the transplant as well and they get to kind of see what it's what it's all about so that's great and then we like to go and play games against clubs that don't know anything about transplant cricket and uh, it's great to be able to promote what we're about and how important organ tissue stem cell bone marrow donation is and what it does to all sorts of people you know young old it can affect anybody so it's important that we kind of promote that and to just honor all of our donors as we were talking about before obviously it's so important for however um whatever way you've got your kidney everybody has their own special kind of um, connection with their donor and I think playing the sport of cricket um, kind of helps them to show the donor what they can achieve and and it's really important to me being the team manager to be able to be on the sidelines promoting that while they're kind of playing the cricket so yeah it it, it's, it means a lot to me. I think rightly so with you've seen everything Robin's been through and then learnt what everyone else in the team has been through similar processes would you say you've got a proudest moment with the team oh yeah I've got a few actually but um I think one of the best days I can remember of the club was um when we had Max join us as and we gave him an honorary cap um Max from Max and Kira's Law um he came along to one of our games that Steve hosted and oh, that was such an amazing day because we did a bit of a we did a film um, on the day for organ donation, um, which was a huge part of our day. And it was so important to be able to show um, our kind of players playing cricket and what they've achieved from it. And everybody kind of did a little piece to camera. Um, that was such a special day. And to have Max there after everything he achieved with um, the the new law. Um, it was just that was an incredible day that was I was proud of every single person on that pitch it makes me emotional every time it's a bit yeah it's a bit cringy probably but I'm getting emotional every time I see them all out there because I know all of their stories and I know what everyone's had to go through at certain times to get to that point Um, so it does mean a lot to me but that day to have Max there as well with all of our players and see him bowl the first ball that was that was an incredible day and we did a lot of publicity on the day we kind of made some um, a national newspaper um, as well so that was that was an incredible day to see Max there um, after he's been through so much and he's done such an amazing job him and Kira to to kind of raise the profile and change the law like that's such a huge achievement um so that I was really touched that day I felt really to meet him and his family was just an incredible experience and also um Kira's some of Kira's family came along to the game as well so that was incredible um that was definitely one of my proudest days of the club I would say if any of the listeners do want to see the video that Joe was talking about I think it is the pinned tweet on the transplant cricket twitter page which is at e transplant c uh max is max is a little legend isn't he oh he is uh, incredible. <laughs> he's changed the change the future of organ donation and i think everyone's grateful for or kira as well and everyone's grateful for what them and their families have done to hopefully allow more people to have a second chance at life and live that to the fullest watching him bowl the first ball i, mean, I wasn't part of the team at the time but I saw the video before my transplant and thought that must have been a good day. Yeah. Oh no, that was, it, that day went so fast. I wish I could do it all over again because it was, that was definitely one of the best days that I've had with the team. And I know everybody took so much from that day. It was incredible. Um, yeah, that was definitely one of my highlights. And I think parading, we also got the opportunity as the team to pra- parade at Edgebaston before the England-India game in 2018. It was actually the same year that the transplant games were in Birmingham. So it all fitted in quite nicely. Um, so quite a lot of our players were already there to take part in the in the games anyway, in the transplant games. So we were given the opportunity. They were promoting on the day um, organ donation. Um, so they gave us the opportunity to parade pre-game, which was incredible. It wasn't that full, if I'm honest, because it was before the game. But it still was it was such a moment to see everybody kind of walking around it. Every single person that was in that stadium, like cheered and clapped while they were walking around. And it was just an incredible moment. And then we 
we were lucky enough to be invited to watch stay and watch the game. So I did see that's another game of cricket I've been to. That was a long one. <laughs> it must have been a special day. Uh, it was a special day because we also did a lot of press on that day. And in the kind of, I don't know the cricket terminology, in the breaks. What are they called? Are they break? Intervals? Breaks? Was it, a, was it a test match? It was a test match, yeah. Uh, lunch, tea? Yeah, yeah. In the lunch and tea, that's it. Lunch and tea, that's it. In the lunch and tea, um, they did quite a lot of organ prom- um, promotion, organ donation promotion. So they actually had donor families there as well, talking um, about their stories in the lunch break. Um, and then we actually were able to meet them as well. So that was the my actual first experience of meeting donor families. And that was incredible. Um so we had that opportunity on that day too. Uh, we met NHS Organ Donation had like a stand there. So we went and chatted to them and they hadn't actually, you know, it was a bit surreal for them. They were promoting organ donation. And then suddenly a whole cricket team of organ transplant recipients rocked up and were like, oh, we've all had transplants. Um, so that was, well, obviously I haven't. Um, so that was nice. Um, it was an incredible day. We did a lot of press, which some of that um, kind of came out afterwards too, which was fantastic. But that was just, that was a very surreal day because that was organ donation and cricket really came together that day which is um, was an incredible day um yeah uh, that was another very special day hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If anyone wants to find out about the team, be more involved, where can they... Where can they go and find them? So the best thing to do is probably email me at englandtransplantcricket at outlook.com and then I can send them some information through. We don't all go to Facebook. Um, it's just England Transplant Cricket, I think, isn't it? Oh, I should have probably checked that. Um, in, I think and, I, tagged, I tagged them last week. I think it's England, England and Wales Transplant Cricket. Oh, England and Wales Transplant Cricket. You're correct. Um, and yeah, we're on Twitter too. But yeah, the best way is probably to drop me an email and then hopefully, given the current situation, hopefully we'll be able to get back to actually all being together soon. And we'd love to have anybody. We welcome any form of transplant recipient, um, anybody that's on dialysis or waiting for transplant. You don't have, have to have had your transplant yet. You know, if you need to come along and learn about what it's um, like to have a transplant, then that's fine, too. And donor family as well. Anybody that's kind of involved in the whole kind of transplant process is more than welcome to come and like we said before friends family are more than encouraged to come the cricket the social element of cricket 
really helps because it really encourages everybody to come along and hopefully it helps people like it helped me um as well as the players i really hope we can get some some cricket in hopefully this year if not next year or at least some form of of net going on i know my family are all looking forward to coming and having a look get involved watching the game and meeting everyone else yeah no i'd love to yeah i missed the opportunity to meet your mum and family so you know we'd love uh, anybody that wants to come it's more than welcome to come along it's yeah it's all part of the team it's really important to have players and all their family and friends and I think sometimes a lot of the family like I said before I didn't really go to many of Robin's cricket games before I might have popped down for 10 minutes to see him but I wasn't really that interested before having this transplant so it's really an opportunity for me to see him playing cricket and especially see him healthy and playing cricket and see what he is able to do now um so and he's just playing the sport he loves he's cricket through and through there's no other sport that's really of any interest to him so it's all about the cricket um so it's just really special to be there and be able to see that and then to see all my other friends you know everybody that especially if anybody's kind of going through a bit of a hard time and then they have to take a little bit of time away and then they're back playing cricket it's just lovely to see how we can just involve everybody um and so yeah i would would love to meet your family one day Lewis. hopefully this year but hopefully We'll see. Yeah, we'll see yeah. with the vaccine. And speaking of the vaccine, and this yes. year, which is um, this year, last year, which has been a bit, a bit of a nightmare, uh, because of the transplant, you're a shielding household. Oh, I'm yes. in a shielding household. How have you been coping with the on and off lockdowns of 2020 and the start of 2021? Shielding, yes, that is an interesting topic. Um, I think for the first one wasn't too bad because uh, we kind of made the decision to shield before we got told to shield because you know you look at the news and you kind of think it's getting a bit scary now so that was fine we kind of made our own decision um and we've got a five-year-old little girl Ava um so she at the time was only four so she was in reception but we was we were thinking oh it's okay you can homeschool a four-year-old that's fine we'll be fine uh Robin then got furloughed I've worked the whole way through but being able to work from home because luckily mine's kind of office um based kind of work so it's fine I've been able to work from home the whole time um so yeah the first time I mean the we didn't even go in our gardens for the first eight weeks because I think the really hard part of it is when you're getting I think it was probably it's harder for me because I've got really bad health anxiety and I really want to just protect Robin at all times. So when you're getting letters saying, if you need fresh air, go to an open window, like you do kind of, we took it very much to heart. Like I was very scared to even go outside in our garden. So for eight weeks, we just stayed in. And I think when the first letters came out, it was like, don't even go. Well, I think they still say it now. Don't go within two meters of anyone in your household, which you think we've got a four-year-old like how is this even possible we can't do that so I think we made the decision quite quickly if we all shielded together then we'd be the safest we possibly could be we didn't go outside for about the first eight weeks Um, we then ventured into the garden and slowly ventured out my dad's um, a farmer and luckily has a field nearby so we ventured out to walk in his field alone without worry of kind of coming into contact with anybody so that was that was about as yeah as exciting as it got and then Robin went back to work in August when shielding kind of paused so he was much happier when he was back at work Ava went back to school in September and everything kind of felt a bit more normal I was still working from home but then uh yeah now this one is tough this is definitely tough I think because we know how long it goes on for because it's constantly on the news the worry is very real and I think yeah homeschooling both working from home is tough um but the main thing is we're safe and that's that's what we kind of remind ourselves every day as long as we're all safe and healthy then we'll get through it I think having gone through what we've all been through helps because you know that you know you've been through tough times Ava's a superstar because I do think it's obviously hard on children um, especially she's an only child so she has no one to play with apart from Robin and I so uh yeah it's tough it's tough but Robin luckily it's good timing uh, Robin got his vaccine appointment yesterday so uh, he is going for a vaccine tomorrow morning as we Hope record this well. yeah fingers crossed um so that's given us some hope I know obviously 
still ha- we're still going to have to be uh, extremely cautious um, throughout. But I think it just it really has helped ease the kind of worry a little bit um, that hopefully that will give us some hope and some yeah some protection I hope so how how aware is Ava of what's going on and understanding what's going on um, five? well she is actually a little superstar and I actually wanted to mention obviously about the um, how we explained to her about Robin having a kidney transplant so that was one of my questions from when she was quite little um, we've never like hidden it obviously takes I can't even remember how many tablets a lot of tablets she sees him taking a lot of tablets so she's always known daddy takes tablets um and then we've always just said daddy's got a special kidney obviously now she's getting that bit older we can explain it a little bit more um but Robin's mum got an amazing toy from I've forgotten the name of the lady um but she's called transplant toys and she makes toys and that have had transplants so Ava's actually got a crocodile that's got a rabbit arm and a rabbit leg so she knows it's called Marcus and she knows that Marcus has had a transplant like daddy. She had that toy from when she was about two years old. So we've always, he's always been on a bed and we've always talked about the fact that the teddy has a transplant like daddy. So it became very, a normal part of conversation. Um, so now she knows that daddy has a special kidney. She's seen him be poorly in the past, you know, from like sick bugs or colds that turn into viruses, etc. CMV etc so she's aware that sometimes daddy has to go to hospital she knows daddy has to have blood tests she knows that um sometimes we have to be careful with things like sick bugs she was already kind of used to from being at school robin's quite susceptible to sick bugs they make him quite poorly since his transplant so she's always been used to if there's a sick bug going around at school we get home and we wash all the clothes and we make sure we have a shower before we go anywhere near daddy so to be honest this is that this led into it so the current situation of making sure that daddy's okay and being careful even when she was back at school obviously take all the uniform off wash the uniform make sure you've had a shower don't go near daddy till you've washed your hands she's she's really good at understanding how to keep daddy safe um which yeah it's quite a lot for a five-year-old um but she is amazing she just says oh we've got to do it to protect daddy daddy's special kidney so her understanding is yeah is really good actually and she is she hasn't ever questioned it and she's never said I don't want to do this but you know she's not said I want to be like go and do the things because even in the summer when her friends were kind of maybe going on play dates and going places to visit she's not been anywhere for nearly a year now other than kind of school and home and walk so but yeah she's very resilient um surprisingly so but yeah the transplant toys really helped early on from because when she was about two she had that and she just understands transplants and but I think as she gets older now probably can teach her a little bit more about what that really means and obviously she knows that it's from um what she calls grandma many which is Robin's mum um Penny so yeah she'll say you've got uh, you've got grandma many's kidney and so she understands to that kind of level so yeah it's quite quite good understanding I guess for a five-year-old so it's the the transplant toys for anyone who might want one of those for their yeah are they available to buy anywhere um, yes, the lady is on Facebook and Instagram. I'll have to send you the details and maybe you can link it in the kind of description. I'll that. It'll um, be on the, yeah, I'll put it in the description, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, yeah. put it everywhere. I'll uh, message her and get some details. But no, they're amazing because I think it obviously is a scary subject. And I hadn't really, we obviously had Ava after Robin had his transplant. Um, and it was a little worry on my in my mind at the time when you're kind of having a family, like how will we explain? Because as much as we have like a normal life, there are bumps along the way that kind of, you know, Robin has been in hospital for little bits and pieces of our life. Um, but it's I think that that really did help make it more understandable and we've also taken her when the games was at Birmingham we took her to the transplant games and I think that was really important and we will definitely do that um, again and again we take her to the cricket so coming to the cricket a lot of the players also have children of similar age so that's really important to me because I think growing up she'll then have the friendships like I have Um, then she'll have people that she you know we can say so-and-so's daddy's also got a special kidney so it's not like she feels like completely different her daddy's not really different because we've no other people that also have the same thing so I think that's really really important um to bring her and it's another big part of the reason that I'm kind of involved in the club to kind of give that to families and to their younger children 
Yeah, I think certainly in this current situation, it's good. It's useful for you and one less worry to have the fact that she understands yeah. the, the transplant process to a certain extent, and also why she needs to be careful, why to stay, yeah. why she has to stay in. Yeah, I think she's just kind of got used to it, which is a bit sad to me, really, because like obviously it's been a long time now. Um, so, but yeah, she luckily no ill effects she's quite happy playing at home um i think she obviously missed family like we all do really but hopefully hopefully we'll get back to normal soon but she's for now she's happy we're all okay in our little house of three we'll just keep saying oh it's just the three of us keeping nice and safe and healthy for daddy so yeah it's it's she's fine for now but yeah homeschool i'm wait. i'm counting down the days till half term <laughs> homeschooling going well no she is so good I think it's just trying to balance everything when you're both trying to work from home and homeschool and you're in the same walls all day obviously you go a a little walk if you need to but it's not really you're in the house all day aren't you so yeah there's only so many phonics and math sheets you want to do (laughs) if she wants any maths there's a video on my twitter which I did in the first lockdown of homeschooling Oh yes, I must show her that. Yes, definitely, I will show her that. Bit, bit of magic, bit of maths. She will love that. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't thought of that. Right, that's Monday's maths sorted then. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Have there been any positives to come out of lockdown for you? Oh yeah, definitely. Like spending the time all together because life's just so busy, isn't it? Normally, um, I work full time, Robin works full time, Ava's at school. She went to school when she was just four. So I felt like she went to school quite young and actually kind of appreciated having her back, like having some time back with her while she was still little. And I've not spent this much time. Well, we would never get this opportunity to spend this much time together. I've never even spent this much time with Robin. Um, even through the transplant process you know so um, yeah I think the big positive is the amount of time we've had as a family like that's really special and as sad as it was at Christmas to not be able to see any of our families and things it was really special that we had a Christmas just the three of us so I think definitely really appreciate the time that we've had together and we've been able to kind of make much stronger like bonds between us all really and just yeah have had the time to just be a family so that's really that has been really special I think it's a a time that we're definitely going to all remember for 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 good and bad I think yeah I think definitely certainly from my point of view I appreciate life more oh yeah more grateful for the second chance I've been given and now once this does end hopefully it will end um just to to go for it and do definitely. everything that I want to do. Yeah, definitely. And I think, as like I've obviously said before, I'm a little bit of a worrier, but I think this situation in a weird way is going to make me kind of worry less about things. So I worry about health. It probably won't stop me worrying about that. Probably a bit more worried about that. Um, but I think worrying about doing things, I'm quite... Um, yeah, I would be a bit more kind of hold, hold myself back, but now I'm just thinking, no, we could just we just need to get on with life now and just uh, yeah, just be outside. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Just be outside and with family and friends, and yeah, just yeah, I can't wait. On a cricket pitch, obviously. That's the ideal. <laughs> Joe, it's been it's been a pleasure to chat to you today, and I think people listening will find this really useful, especially people in your position, partners, family of transplant recipients i'll be able to take something from you and, and relate to what you said as well all the way through because i think it is it is difficult for family of transplant recipients and you you go through the process indirectly mm. it still has an effect yeah definitely watching somebody else go through that i hope it didn't it doesn't come off that i'm obviously i having a transplant is a huge huge thing to go through and I hope it doesn't come off selfishly that I'm thinking oh, trying no. to explain all the things that I've also been through but I just really hope that it helps people other it doesn't even have to be obviously Robin is my partner but it doesn't even have to be partners it can be mums or dads that have watched their children go through it it can be like you know best friends like you do see um, you know it's a big change and it doesn't mean that your life has changed forever and that you won't you know get some of that normality back but during the process and there are elements of your day-to-day life ongoing that you know that will be a little bit different and there will be times that you kind of 
have to kind of go through things that you wouldn't wish to go through um but i just hope that it just shows people that there is a community of people out there that have all been through the same thing i think when i was going to hospital with robin we were sitting in waiting rooms full of older people and i don't think we ever met anybody our age the whole time we were in there and i just would really like people to understand that there are other people out there that are going through the same people young people people with young families um and just kind of appreciate that support you really need to reach out because it really did save me and robin one last question before we we go you've you've listened to i think the majority of these so far yeah all, all of them. them they're fantastic you might know there's a final question coming yeah um i've adapted it a little bit So what is one piece of advice you'd give to a partner, family member, friend, relative in any way of somebody facing a transplant? Uh, I would say that you definitely need to talk to somebody that's been through a similar thing. You need to reach out and be part of that community. I was a bit scared to start with to kind of speak to anyone. And like I say, I did try speaking to people that hadn't been through the process. It definitely did help a little bit. But I think if you can get that kind of support from somebody that's been through a similar thing it will really really help it's hard sometimes to speak to the person that's been is going through the transplant without feeling selfish or without wanting to burden them with your kind of worries or your kind of issues so I think it's really important to kind of seek that that support and be part of that kind of community and I would also say try not to worry I'm a worrier I literally worried about everything that could possibly happen after a transplant rather than focusing on the fact that actually normal life would would be possible now we have a family like I say we have a pretty normal life and we can do anything we kind of want to do so I would say try not to worry um it will it will be okay I think that'll resonate with a lot of people I know I was a a big worrier still I'm really yeah me too um, that's okay <laughs> I can say the advice I don't always take it <laughs> but yeah people will people will agree with you people that'll resonate with a lot of people um and very importantly as you've alluded to talk to people speak yeah. speak up it's not weak to speak no definitely not uh and cricket specific opening up cricket do a lot of work for cricket and mental health so if you haven't checked them out go and have a look um and there we go yeah, perfect. Joe, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Before we go, if anyone would like some new cricket gear, Neon Cricket have kindly agreed to sponsor me for the 2021 season as a coaching ambassador. So if you are looking for any gear, you can go to www.neoncricket.co.uk and at the checkout, use the code LEWISD25 for 25% off everything on the website. Hopefully this helps. I've been Lewis Daniels and you've been listening to Transplants Take on Sport. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.